You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Oh, Jabba. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I am Ryan. And on Force Friends Rewatch, we rewatch Force friend, Friendly Force <laughs> shows. Star Wars. We, we watch Star Wars shows, specifically Star Wars TV shows, and then yes. we talk about them in depth. This week, we are talking about episode one of Star Wars Rebels season one, Spark of Rebellion. Yes. But before we get into that, let's let's talk about something else Star Wars. Oh? Yeah, just uh just 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 like a fun a fun Star Wars bit cuz this is a podcast and before you get into the meat of your episode, you're supposed to do like a fun bit cuz that's, that's what true. happens on podcasts. We don't make the rules. No, we just follow them. Yeah. So, I guess my my question would be, Ryan, what do you think is the coolest lightsaber? The coolest lightsaber. Yeah, because there's some real cool ones out there. Yeah. You know, in Star Wars Rebels and Trials of the Darksaber, where Sabine is, like, training with that wooden staff? <laughs> yeah. That's not the coolest lightsaber. And if you okay, think I it is, we need to... you to stop listening right now. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We're not judgmental like that. If that's your favorite lightsaber, you are wrong, but we still like you. Uh, no, yeah. I think the coolest lightsaber... Uh, maybe Ahsoka's white lightsabers for what they represent. Uh, That's a like real good purification pick. of dark. But maybe the Jedi Temple Guard lightsabers because that thing is cool. My uh, my answers were going to be either Jedi Temple Guard because I like yellow. Yes. Or uh, I really love Count Dooku's curved handle. Oh yeah, I'm a fan of that. I think it. I, like I think it's real classy, and I think it sums up who Count Dooku is and the the sort of gravitas that Christopher Lee brought to what is overall a pretty small role. Absolutely, but he put he brought like a lot of weight to the character. So, and that's that's the key to like a prop like a lightsaber is that the the design should instantly tell you something about the character. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of the the, the curved hilt. Yeah, right on. Cool. So that was our fun little intro bit. <laughs> Like we're a real podcast. Allegedly. (laughs) So let's talk about Star Wars Rebels, episode one, Spark of Rebellion. Yes. Uh, The recent live action remake I thought was pretty good. Um, And I've always liked, oh, we're talking about the Star Wars Aladdin. Sorry, they haven't remade that in live action. Yeah, Star Wars Aladdin, not the the (laughs) Disney Will Smith remake of Aladdin. Yes, yes. With Will Smith as holographic Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end. That's the closest yep. thing to the genie in this, I guess. Do you want to recap the episode, or do you want me to recap the episode? You recap the episode. Okay. The episode opens with Darth Vader giving a new villain a mission to hunt down some Jedi. It's later revealed that this is the Grand Inquisitor, 
it then moves from that over to the new planet Lothal, where Ezra, the show's protagonist, is uh, he's a, he's a bit of a sketchy character. We see him kind of like steal some things, and he he rescues um, I forget that alien's name. Is it a Godel? Yes. Did I make that up? No, I was right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. He rescues <laughs> it a Godel. It doesn't sound like it would be right, but it is right. <laughs> rescues a Godel, but then also, like, robs the guy, you know, so yeah, Ezra's, uh, Ezra's a bit of a punk. He gets wrapped up in a heist of some weapons, and he ends up stealing the weapons from the thieves who stole them from the Empire, and there's a great chase sequence, and uh, by the end of it, Ezra ends up on the ghost with these weapon thieves. There's a space chase scene and some more shenanigans. And Ezra realizes that this is a pretty hardcore unit. You know, they got their code names and they got, you know, their their ship is pretty badass. And Ezra kind of tags along with them for selling the weapons. And then they do something weird that give a bunch of the money back to poor people in a shanty town named after Grand Moff Tarkin, which is excellent. Yes, I and love that. It's very good. Ezra then goes with them for the second half of their mission where they're trying to rescue some Wookiees. Ezra stays on the ship with Hera. Hera, you know, kind of gives him a lecture about how he could be better. He goes to warn the the heroes that it's a trap that the Empire's doing. And uh, through kind of Zeb being a bit of a dick and pushing Ezra back, Ezra gets captured by an information agent. Um, That's not the right word. ISB agent. Yeah, ISB, Imperial Security Bureau agent. Ezra gets, like, interrogated. The good guys come back to rescue him. Ezra's very touched that they bothered to do that. Ezra learned where the Wookiees were because he stole a helmet and was on his already on his way out. There's a great joke about Zeb saying, like, no, you get on the ship first this time. It's very good. Long story short, they go to rescue some Wookiees. Kanan reveals he's a Jedi in what is still one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. Yeah. So good, right? I love that. That's just, that's a defining moment for his character. Ezra uses the Force a little bit for the first time and is a bit freaked out by it. They save the Wookiees. And it ends with Agent Callus calling the Grand Inquisitor, saying, yo, there's some, there's some fucking Jedi, and I'm, this is your job, not mine. I remember that quote differently, but I do like that scene at the end. It's very good, yeah. <laughs> That's the episode. And one thing to note, um, the Vader scene at the beginning, wasn't that added later? Like, when they aired the episode on Disney XD the first time, that wasn't there. And then it was put in, I believe, for the ABC airing. Um, I don't remember having ever seen that scene before, and I've rewatched yeah. Rebels a handful of times. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I remember it being added, I assumed at the time for the ABC airing, it was just there to kind of make it Star Wars for a wider audience. I distinctly remember in season two when Vader shows up, Going, yeah. who is doing this voice? This Vader impersonation yes. guy is amazing. And then I looked <laughs> it up, and sure enough, it was it's... James Earl Jones. And I was like, well, no wonder their Vader is amazing. Yes. I feel yeah. like if Vader had shown up in season one, I would not have been so blown away 
by no. whoever did it in season two, aka James yeah. Jones. So yeah, that was added. That's a fun fact. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, that makes sense. Here, here on Force Friends, we rewatch. Uh, not only do we talk about Star Wars, we talk about what we love about Star Wars. So, what yes. in this episode? You know, we can just rapid fire back and forth. What made this episode so good? I distinctly remember the first time I saw it. Just everything about when Ezra sneaks back onto the ship and finds the lightsaber. So good. That's magical. That's like Harry Potter in the wand shop level of like sort of destiny. This is the beginning of something huge. And I mean, I, that was, yeah. I like that Ezra isn't, he's not a good guy right away. Like no, he's, he's going along with these people who, uh, you know, I, I think we can say that the ghost crew is, is, is doing good. Um, but Ezra is still kind of out for himself, and he steals the holocron, he steals the lightsaber, and he's he's a punk. Like, he's out for himself. And oh, totally. that moment of not just him finding it, but then him pocketing it, I love yes. that. This whole episode is kind of your introduction to, more than any of them, it really gives you an idea of who Kanan, Ezra, and Hera are, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. You'll get to know the others in the future, but like... There's just so many defining moments for them. Like like you mentioned, Hera's lesson to Ezra and, you know, Kanan letting everyone in on the secret and Ezra with the lightsaber. Like, that's who those people are. I do th- like that the first time we see Sabine, she blows the fuck up out of a dude. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very a great moment. <laughs> and yeah. uh, while, while we don't get much of her character in this episode, no. uh, she's very cool. She's very collected. She's very badass the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that this is a complaint a lot of people have of the show, is that the the low-level Imperials aren't competent. I see them a lot as, like, Colonel Clink and Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. Oh, yeah. Like, like oh, I no think, doubt. I think they're a huge nod to that kind of, you know, I mean, they are space Nazis, so, like, the, here's yeah. some bumbling Nazis. I, I don't dislike it. I, I mean, I, there are times where maybe it doesn't work, and there are times where it does. I personally think it's 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 funny. I love Hogan's Heroes, so you know that sort of humor. Like I, I get what they're going for, and I I think it works. I'm a fan of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need your heroes to win, and at, at its root, like this is for kids. I mean, it is. Well, not all the Imperials are incompetent, but like no, the ones th- that are, I get the yes. I get the humor they're going for. You know, Callus yeah. is awesome. Thrawn, yeah, awesome. Callus, Thrawn, Vader, like those guys, not so much. But you do kind of need Governor like Price. You said, yeah, yeah. Price Price is phenomenal. Yeah, um, so th- they're they're going to be scary Imperials, but they don't all need to be that way. No, you need a punching bag that you know your heroes are safe, but you're still excited to see how they one-up these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And it it's sort of, I mean, the moment when the show starts getting real is, you know, spoiler alert, uh, when they get their heads lopped off, and that... That moment wouldn't have the gravity that it does if we hadn't watched them be schmucks for a couple of months at that point. Absolutely. Hearing James Arnold Taylor again as Obi-Wan felt like coming home. Yeah, I love that. 
I know that some people were afraid with Rebels coming out because it was, you know, like the first Disney show and Clone Wars was so beloved. And having James Arnold Taylor do lines that Ewan McGregor had originally said, it, it, it felt it felt like a warm hug. That was about as much Clone Wars as I think this episode could stand to have had. Yeah. It's why Luke Skywalker isn't in The Force Awakens. Like, the moment you put those Titans in there too much, we don't care about the new characters. But that was exactly the right amount of Clone Wars. I'm always a fan of Wookiees. Like, I mean, there are a lot of classic Star Wars aliens in this, which is great, but Wookiee Revolts just seemed to be a hobby on Kessel. And yes. uh, <laughs> it was cool to see Kessel, you know, Kessel again after having seen Solo. Like, yeah, um, and the design matches up. I mean, the shots are almost identical, the establishing shots. Yeah, it's good stuff. And I guess I read while, like, researching for this that the design of Kessel in Solo is lifted from the design in Rebels, but the design in Rebels is lifted from a uh, like an arc for Clone Wars that George was working on involving the Pikes and the Kessel Run. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I I think we might see that because isn't there wasn't there something suggesting that the first Ahsoka arc in season seven is also the Pikes involved or something? We know that they've drastically changed stuff. Uh, like yeah. originally, she was going to have a male love interest, but we all know that Ahsoka is a lesbian, so yes. um, it's going to be two sisters now. So I don't I don't know how much else that they've maybe adjusted or if this is going to be the same Pike True. arc. I don't know. Well the the footage of Ahsoka with the two sisters, I mean, was almost shot for shot identical to the unfinished footage from that arc that yeah. was shown four years ago. So I feel like maybe they haven't changed the basic plot, but yeah, at this point it's anyone's guess and we've got six more months to debate about it. I want it now. I do too. I do too. But yeah, Kessel was super cool and pretty much exactly what I pictured. Because this is our first time actually seeing it in the canon, right? I don't know if we had seen it in the initial Pike arc. If we no, did... we never see Kessel. Okay, we never saw it in Clone Wars. No, never in Clone okay. Wars. Not yet. Cool. Then yeah, Doesn't this it feel is great first... to say not yet in reference to Clone Wars. <laughs> it is. It's good. It feels good. Yeah, I think this is the first, which uh, is cool because it's it's the first planet ever named in Star Wars. Yeah, look at that. That's a fun little little trivia. Yeah, bit. <laughs> I'm full of them. Oh god. <laughs> I I was uh, laughing when Callus calls uh, the Grand Inquisitor and he says the leader of that cell made use of a lightsaber. I was like, Hey, buddy, Harry didn't use a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Kanan's not in charge. No, I can see where somebody would assume the Jedi is calling the shots, but that is not how it works in this space family. Don't they? Isn't he Spectre One for that very reason? Because the 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 goal is that they'll assume he's the leader, and it's like uh, a, a protectionary measure for Hera. Or did I just I make that up? He was Spectre One. I think you're right. I believe that you might have just made that up, but it works. Yeah, I don't know. That might have been from uh, Rebel Dawn. I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, I have a lot I of really cannon rattling that. around in my head. Yeah, it makes sense. I started reading A New Dawn before I ever saw 
I had seen Spark of Rebellion, but that was it. Okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. But I feel like now, having seen the full story and read Alphabet Squadron and Ezra's Gamble and pretty much everything else that has characters from this, I feel like I would have a new appreciation for it. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the strongest of the the canon books, but it, it's okay. What else worked for you here? In Spark of Rebellion? Yeah. It sets up, as cliche as it is to say in reference to this show, it really sets up the family dynamic. I don't know if we would have seen the Ghost crew as so much more than a rebel cell if it wasn't for the... I mean, this episode really is just 40 minutes of them interacting and showing us how they interact and where everybody fits in. And I just... I. Yeah, I keep going back to the fact that I love the groundwork that it lays for the story to follow. A lot of people compare it to Firefly, and oh yeah, especially season one of Rebels feels very Firefly, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad comparison yeah. to make, because the crew of Serenity is very much a dysfunctional family. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that isn't intentional. Yeah, that they took the- some nods from it. Oh, yeah. Any, I mean, it's a crew of people on a spaceship, like... That basic plot formula screams Firefly. I I think the Ghost might be my favorite like freighter in all of Star Wars. Like I, I oh, love yeah. the Ghost so much, and seeing all of the interiors in this episode and how how the Ghost works and the layout, it, it's it's a fucking great ship. It is. It's it's iconic, but unique on its own like you can tell it's a star wars ship looking at it but it's not really rooted too deeply in anything that came before mm-hmm. at um at star wars celebration europe 2 in germany when they unveiled the ghost for the first time uh dave filoni talked a lot about how as a kid he kind of saw the millennium falcon as like like a safe place like you know pretend you're on the falcon and like you're safe it's like a clubhouse it's just a welcoming warm place and he said he hopes that with rebels they'll be able to make the ghost like that i think they exceeded that oh no doubt no doubt at all yeah yeah because the the falcon is like an old ratty winnebago that your stoner buddy lives in when times are tough. But the ghost is like, I mean, the ghost is like a a house. I don't know. Yeah. As much as I, as much as I love the Falcon and like the Falcon feels like star Wars, I don't know if I'd really want to sleep on the Falcon, especially when Han owned it. Maybe when Lando had it and it was clean, but Lando um, had it sign me up. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's very much like your stoner buddy's bachelor pad and like, it's cool to go over there and play Xbox and maybe smoke some weed, but like, you don't, you don't want to stay the night there. You need Um, a shower after you were there. The, the ghost is, is a house. Like the, the siblings have bedrooms and like mom and dad have bedroom, like, (laughs) It's it's home. There's there's a evil pet dog. It's perfect. I've always seen him as like a scruffy cat. Yeah, a Chopper could be a cat. There's an evil cat that hates you. Oh yeah, it's perfect. But secretly loves you. The, yeah. the hate is an act. <laughs> it's just acting tough. Yes. 
Speaking of Chopper, um, we found a fun Rebels Easter egg at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, really? Uh, that might reveal what our orange droid is up to in the sequel time frame. Yeah, there's an ad, like a handwritten Orabesh ad in the cantina on a notice board. And if you translate it, it talks about like an orange C1 astromech droid with a grumpy temperament that has run away yet again. Like, help us find him. You know if Chopper's there, then Hera's not far behind. Exactly, man. I, I love that. I have hope. Yeah, but yeah, Chopper is still up to his usual stuff. I mean, he's, we don't know how old he is, and I feel like he's just a grumpy old man in any era. (laughs) I would not want to see a brand new Chopper. I want Chopper to have come off the assembly line old and rusty. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) I I like Ezra's weird hobby of collecting helmets. I, I like when, I like when protagonists have kind of some sort of strange hobby and collecting buckets feels very appropriate for Ezra. And, uh, I, I I love when Sabine gets in on it and just starts painting all of them, which we're going to see later in the series. And that sort of serves to underscore as he gets closer to the family. Yeah. I like that. And it's believable for a kid, his age, like if you're surrounded by all this cool stuff, Heck yeah, you're going to steal as much of it as you can. And I mean, if you're in any of the Star Wars costuming clubs, you know what an addiction it is. No one just does one costume. No one has just one helmet. You have a shameful amount of them. And Ezra has a shameful amount of buckets. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, you can't stop. And you just always want more. There's always something you want. And I love that about Ezra. It's so relatable. What else you got? As far as things that I really liked, I love that he's Jabba the Hutt, nephew of Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's very, amazing. That's very choice. And when Callus is it, it's pretty well later in the season when Callus calls him Jabba, Padawan Jabba. Yeah. That's, that's great. I mean, Rebels was a linear narrative, which is something we didn't get in Clone Wars. And I love those, like running gags when Kellis is jedi it's very good too yes i mean literally anything yeah. Kellis says i'm like over here drooling so <laughs> of course no i i love Kellis. i i never expected to love Kellis. i'm very there's a lot of rumors for star wars legion which is a, a tabletop game i play uh that Kellis is going to be coming at some point Oh, cool. um, for the for the Imperials, and that frustrates me when characters who learn and grow and change the rebellion get constantly like stuck as Imperial characters. Like, yeah, that's annoying. I I love Iden, and I love that she joins the New Republic. But if you play Battlefront, yes. she's an Imperial hero, and only yeah, an Imperial that- hero. That always bothered me. And I'm sure I'll be able to get a custom Callus made if he joins the game and be able to have him for the Rebels. But it, yeah. it breaks my little heart that everyone still sees Callus as an Imperial. Because he's a good guy. He is. Although eventually. I do like how... Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I do like how in, in Season 1, there's really no foreshadowing that he's going to make a change. Like, nothing. No, he needs and that like good, that. good Zuko arc. He's got to start out <laughs> as, like, the total worst. 
Yeah, and that, I mean, I guess we get that with Vader, but other than Vader, like, everybody has, I mean, Iden, when the Death Star blows up, we can almost see in her eyes that she's questioning everything, mm-hmm. and, like, with, uh, even with Kylo Ren, like, one of the first times we ever hear him speak, he's admitting that he feels a pull to the light, but with Callus, there is none of that. He is a committed villain, and that makes the eventual, like you said, the Zuko arc, that makes that all the better. Yeah, absolutely. He He's a great villain, and we're going to find out in later episodes some of the villainy he's done and how that, affects, how that has affected our heroes, and that's really great. And yes. I think we also get a reference to Saul Guerrero in there later on, which will be fun. Yeah, he's the first mention of saw because that episode with zeb it predates rogue one yeah and i'm not sure if it predates bloodline but both of those reference saw guerrera as like a vicious onderon rebel leader and that was before we had any idea he'd even be in rogue one yeah it's really good stuff it's awesome how the the story group is able to seed these these little plot ideas and you can start connecting dots rebels was really good for that interweaving especially with rogue one Yup. in this episode though we really don't see much of that it kind of stands on its own which it has to because it introduces us to so many characters yeah for sure i mean besides vader and obi-wan's quick appearances i think everyone we get here is new Mm-hmm. absolutely and that's a little overwhelming, but... They did a good job of, you know, with the TIE Fighters and the Stormtroopers and the classic aliens that you, you know it's Star Wars, even though it is, uh, you know, 98% new characters. Yeah. Although, I, I will say, um, from the moment they unveiled it, I have never liked the Star Wars Rebels Stormtrooper design. And I really? don't think I ever will. Yeah, it just, it's too exaggerated. The frown is too exaggerated. The eyes are too, everything is too exaggerated. You know what it is, right? Isn't it the Kenner figure? Yeah, they're all Kenner figures. That's why all of them are lanky as fuck. Like, Kanan's arms are so long. And the the Wookiees looking wet and molded is because they are wet and molded. Um, They're they're all Kenner. They're all Kenner figures running around. I was yeah. amazed that Kanan's lightsaber didn't come out of his hand. <laughs> that would have been a bridge too far. That's funny. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. How, as you know, I'm assuming you didn't play with the Kenner figures. I'm too young to play with the Kenner figures. Yeah, uh, I missed them by about a decade. Yeah, so, you know, it wasn't maybe nostalgic for us. But I guess if you were played with those toys as a kid and now you're watching Rebels with your children it was probably very nostalgic. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything you would you would have changed? So we got the Stormtrooper frowns. The Stormtroopers. <laughs> Anything else and you'd change? And the fact that the, the tubes on the side of their helmets look like two-liter bottles of soda. Like, come on. Um, no, I, I don't know. I have two things. What's that? So some of the humor doesn't quite land for me with um, like Ezra and Zeb this episode, like the, you're smelly. No, you're, you're a little kid. Well, you're a wet dog. Like, like that whole like bit that they have going on. 
like I get what it's going to set up, and I do love where their friendship goes, but um, it's just a little too kiddy for me. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. And like, it is a kids show. It's not. It is. It is exactly what it is trying to be. But as someone who's not a child watching it, that didn't <laughs> land. And a bunch of the humor does land for me. So they can clearly do humor that is good for adults and children. Sure. Um, and then at the very end, the Wookiees say, if you ever need us again, you got us. And Ezra's like, good luck, Kitwar. I want to see them again. And we didn't get to see yeah. them again in Rebels. And I was I expecting fe- them in the finale. Yeah, like, especially at the very, very end of Rebels, where tons of allies show up again that we have not seen in years, but over the course of the show that they had made, come back to help. Uh, yeah, where it, were they? It feels like that they they had left a, a story hook out there, and it doesn't materialize. Um, so maybe, maybe something changed, and they didn't want to use those Wookiees, or maybe they just, I don't know, it seems unlikely that they just forgot about that plot thread, but uh, that's unlikely, kind of a bummer. But possible. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree but, with that. I had, I had forgotten about that until like re rewatching, and it yeah, it really does. It's one of the few things in the show that goes absolutely nowhere. Yeah, uh, and like I mean, I'm a fan of Buffy. Like I still remember those praying mantis eggs at the end of season one in the school that never come back again. I'm fine with plot threads disappearing. You know, I get it. It happens. The story goes in a new direction, but uh, I love Wookiees. And if you're going to tell me that that these Wookiees are coming back, you know, I want to see them again. Bring them back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. um, Yeah, that's that's it. Those are the only two things that I personally would have changed in Spark of Rebellion. I think the rest of it's perfect. I guess one thing that I really wouldn't change, but that frustrated me, was uh, all of the ship tease for Ezra and Sabine. Like, I never wanted that to happen, and I dislike the people that really latch on to just that one scene that's, in hindsight, very clearly just, like, teenage boy has not spent much time with girls, sees pretty girl. And I, I like the way that that all plays out over the long run but man did this episode give so much fuel to such to shippers yeah yeah i um i'm blanking on her name but sabine's bounty hunter friend that comes in later ketsu ketsu i really felt like sabine and ketsu maybe had a thing um oh yeah i, I mean i know it, there's a stereotype that gays see gays and everything um mm-hmm. you, you know that's a stereotype because we never get canon gaze and anything um and so like they i felt like had more in common and more emotional growth like because of each other than ezra and sabine do like like ezra and sabine don't get me wrong they're great friends and their 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 friendship is really dynamic across the show but i never saw them as a romantic option for each other no I didn't, but you know, everybody Ship, did. Shipper's gonna ship, yeah. Shipper's gonna ship. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you that that like those those couple moments in this episode aren't necessary. No, I mean they don't they don't detract from it, and Ezra absolutely does have like a little crush on her for a while, but like 
she is not interested and he gets over it. And I, yeah. I think that's important. That's a really good lesson, I think, to teach, you know, yeah. young, oh, young totally. men that like, hey, if you're interested in someone like there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's that's totally normal and natural. But if yes. they're not interested back, then, you know, it's on you to get over it and to move on and to not let it affect your friendship. Mm hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. So for that reason, I wouldn't change those scenes, but man, did they fuel the shippers. So what do, uh, anything else? Any last minute thoughts before we wrap this up? No, not really. Uh, Spark of Rebellion still holds up in a rewatch, and those Ezra Force scenes are still magical, and it's still interesting to watch this family's relationship develop after so many times. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So we'll be back next time with uh, Rebels Episode 2. And yes. I know I'm excited to watch it again just because I have not seen Season 1 in a very long time. I am excited for R2-D2. Oh, is it the Droids episode? It is. I'm Droids excited for Rex. Yes, Rex. You know, before that episode came out, uh, anybody I knew who liked Clone Wars but didn't really follow this stuff, I decided to be kind of a jackass and tell them, yo, Captain Rex is in the next episode of Rebels. He flies the shuttle, which I thought was a good enough clue to... Anyway, I was like, yeah, you know, he flies the shuttle, and uh, I got a couple of people's hopes up, and I got a couple angry texts, but luckily everybody had a sense of humor about it. (laughs) That's mean. I love it. I didn't lie. I did, did not, not lie. No. Captain Rex was in the episode. <laughs> not my fault George Lucas recycled the name. Well, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up by quoting Captain Rex that uh All right. experience beats oh shit. I don't remember the line. Experience outranks everything. Yes, there we go. We'll see All you right. next time, y'all. I'll wrap it up by quoting Captain Rex. Ladies and gentlemen, there may be some turbulence up ahead. Please make sure your seatbelts are fastened. Beautiful. Ha ha ha.